When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I hope you guys had a fantastic and safe and great Thanksgiving. Happy belated Thanksgiving from me to you guys. But welcome back to the Steel Curtain coverage and news. I'm your Steel Curtain Network host, Daniel J. This is State of the Steelers, where today we're going to be talking about those big changes that happened earlier this week. And are they going to result in better play as the Pittsburgh Steelers will be heading out to Cincinnati, Ohio this weekend to take on the Joe Burrow-less Cincinnati Bengals at Paycor Stadium at 1 p.m. Eastern? Should be a good game. Backup quarterback for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, another backup quarterback for the Steelers defense two weeks in a row. Let's see if the uh, the outcome is different. But in case you haven't heard what happened a little bit earlier this week, uh, if you were under a rock or you know maybe just out traveling and wanted to kind of tune away from the Pittsburgh Steelers for a few days, especially after that embarrassing loss last week to the Cleveland Browns, I assume that maybe perhaps if you're coming back on, you may not have heard the news that Matt Canada was fired a little earlier this week. Kind of broke the internet. It was Wildfire went everywhere, so I'm pretty sure everybody heard about it. But was it the right move? Well, you know who has heard a lot about it, though? It's the players. You know, every time that the uh, Steelers players are in front of a microphone or in front of a reporter, it's, you know, what were your thoughts about the Matt Canada firing? How do you think it's going to impact the team? You know, and rightfully so, these questions are going to arise, which is why I thought it would have been more fitting if you were going to do this in season to do this at the bye week. That way, it's not a distraction for the entire time that you're preparing for an opponent plus not to mention the opponent that you're playing this weekend is a divisional rival now i understand that they're without their quarterback and joe burrow is not going to be out there well, we just saw the performance by the pittsburgh steelers against a rookie quarterback in my opinion you know they they, they showed up they played maybe not so much in the in the first half and and i get it if njoku doesn't drop the ball as often as he was you know that game is probably a little bit further out of reach than it, what it was but the steelers defense tied up in the second half you know their defense was very similar to like what we've seen other defenses do to our offense which is i guess why a change needed to be made the defense that was working against the cleveland browns was one that was preparing for well, obviously, somebody who is a backup quarterback where the team is not allowing that quarterback to throw down the field or over the middle. And the Steelers basically played a defense that they've seen other teams play and it worked, which probably said something about their own offense, not to mention the scoring issues, the yards issues, the, the entire thing. You know, Mason Cole said it correctly when he was in his press conference earlier this week. This is a business. It's uh, and also Coach Tomlin. This is a result driven business. You know, if the results aren't there, the person at the top is usually the person that's getting the blame. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't really think that everything was was Coach Canada's fault. And I'm not saying that everything was the quarterback's fault either. You know, I think that both of those components had their parts into why this offense was failing. But in reality, guys, I think when it comes down to it, I think it's the guy above them that is possibly the problem and that is with the head coach now let me let me explain why you know this team has struggled off and on this year in, in the secondary levi wallace has been a, a huge question mark since game one and yet joy porter jr didn't see the field as a full-time starter until 
weeks after the bye week. Keanu Benton, the same thing. Broderick Jones, the same thing. He's better than both of the tackles on the outside. And I don't think that that's Matt Canada's decision on when those players are getting into the game. That's a Coach Tomlin decision. And I think that has handcuffed and hindered this team. I mean, maybe perhaps if Broderick Jones is playing the entire season up to this point and has gotten better and better every week. Maybe perhaps Kenny Pickett's not so shooken up. Now, I'm not sure what side he'd be on. I'd prefer him to be on the left side. I think Dan Moore is probably the more uh, the bigger liability when it comes to the two tackles on the outside. You know, I, I think Chicks core four, he, he has problems finishing drives. And I don't like how when he moves up to the second level of the defense, you know, sometimes he's just going there. He's not assisting the guard next to him by, you know, doing a little chip block or pushing off the defender to help the guard next to him. You know, Broderick Jones d- does those things. Even Dan Moore does those things. He may not get home all the time to the second level like Broderick Jones does. Broderick Jones is just a freak. He'll, he'll help out the guard and then get to the second level in time, on time. He's just athletic and he can do that. You know, you would think that Chicks Corfor would be able to do the same thing because he's a very athletic, you know, offensive tackle as well, but he just doesn't play to his potential. But either way, if you put up Broderick Jones out there, you know, start of the start of the year, do you think that maybe perhaps Kenny Pickett's not as shook? Maybe perhaps this offense is doing a little bit better. Do you think that maybe perhaps if Jalen Warren got more touches earlier on that this team would and Kenny Pickett would maybe have more confidence in themselves and the offense and the team? And maybe perhaps they'd be playing better. You know, maybe perhaps if the Steelers didn't look at a running back in the first round and address the needs of a center and the trenches on both sides of the field within the last, I don't know, four or five years under Tomlin and Colbert as the general manager coach tandem, acquiring talent for this team, instead completely neglecting those important pieces. Maybe if this team was built correctly during that time, I think that well, maybe this team would have a better chance. You know, if you look at the last, I don't know, five or four uh, first round picks under Kevin Colbert. It's not very good. You know, Kenny Pickett, he's jury's up in the air right now, right? You know, he, he's had 20 something games. The blame there was Matt Canada. Don't have Matt Canada more. Let's see if, if he targets the middle of the field more. Let's see if he is throwing the ball a little bit more accurate. Maybe he has a little bit more confidence in himself and moves forward and does some good things. But up to this point, it's not been a very good pick. Najee Harris, not a very good pick. You have an undrafted guy who's outperforming him in every aspect of the game. Jalen Warren can run the ball better. He finds the hole better. He's quicker. His burst, his speed, his agility, his ability to catch the ball, his ability to pass protect, his ability to run a screen play. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers ran a lot of screens against the Cleveland Browns and only one worked or got successful enough yards to convert or was successful play. You know, they actually had two that went for a couple of for good yards. One was a Jalen Warren screen and, and it went for pretty pretty good yards. You guys might remember it. And then the other one was also a Jalen Warren screen towards the end of the game, and he ended up not getting the first down. Now, it wasn't by the design's fault or, or Jalen Warren's fault. Had Kenny Pickett threw the ball in front of him, it, it would have been a first down, but he decided to throw his, a back shoulder pass on a screenplay. So with that being said, the Steelers probably should have looked at what the other, the rest of the NFL was doing and not selected a running back in the first round, unless there's somebody just absolutely special. I mean, probably the same thing could be said about the quarterback class in last year's draft. I digress. In 2020, we didn't have a pick, but that was, you know, the first player that was picked was Chase Claypool. That was the year that the Steelers ended up trading out for Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, Minka was a guy that was in the top 10 draft picks. Steelers weren't going to go up there and get him. It was an obvious he was an obvious player that was going to be something. It, well, there was no guessing when it came to Mika Fitzpatrick. That was a good decision to trade. But the Steelers didn't draft him and develop him. He was already a year in the, in, in the game. And to be honest with you, I think Nick Saban is who developed uh, Mika Fitzpatrick. And he was already came into the league pretty much pro-ready. But before that, yeah, Devin Bush and Terrell Edmonds, 
TJ Watt. Now, TJ Watt fell. He, he fell hard. I mean, he went all the way down to 30. And the reason being is because he didn't play much defense in college. I think he only had one one year defensively where he played the outside linebacker position and the rest of his collegiate career. And, you know, TJ was a, a little bit known of it injury issue early on in his collegiate career and during that time. And, and those were the reasons why I think TJ, you know, kind of fell, but he fell to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He, you know, if that draft could be redone today. He's probably number one or, or top three picks in the draft. If that draft was redone with those same players, Kevin Colbert and the Pittsburgh Steelers did see the talent, acquired it, and they did get him. But prior to that, you also had Artie Burns and Bud Dupree. So, you know, it, it really hadn't been the greatest first round pick selection for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, one out of I don't know how many really got a second contract. Maybe the um, the bar shouldn't be Hall of Fame player just because the person is drafted in the first round. But I, I think you should want to at least, you know, pick up the fifth year option out of your first round players maybe have them sign a second contract for the Pittsburgh Steelers to stay another four or five years. I think that should be the expectation of, of, of a player that you acquired during the draft. And as I mentioned before, when you avoid the trenches and, and where you probably really should be focusing in when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers towards the latter end of Ben, ben Roethlisberger's career, that, that's kind of how you end up with a Kendrick Green blocking for him, a rookie Dan Moore blocking for Ben Roethlisberger. And we all saw what disaster that was. So for me, it's more than just the offensive coordinator. It's more than just the quarterback. It's it's the entire thing. Now, Kevin Colbert's not there. Omar Khan is there. And look at what he did in his first draft. I mean, I'd rather take a lot of Khan's draft picks in his first draft ever versus the first rounders, maybe even some of the second rounders in the last few years, Kevin Colbert going back to maybe 2018 where the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted Terrell Edmonds. But how does that all equal up to, all right, the Steelers need to fire their offensive coordinator. Well, it comes back to the game. When I watched this game, and I said it throughout the game as well, it felt like, it seemed like, it looked like the Cleveland Browns were just more physical than the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were pushing them around. They were dominant on the offensive line. They were dominant in the trenches. And, and the Steelers just didn't look like they came to play. And I think that's the reason why you make the change. A spark needed to be created. Now, you have two options. Or you can fire the offense coordinator, or you can bench the quarterback. Now, if you bench the quarterback, uh, what you're saying is you're basically going to give up on your QB now in hopes that uh, you can still make a playoff run with one of the other two quarterbacks that you have. Now, let's be real. The other two quarterbacks that you have, even maybe even Kenny Pickett, I don't think you have a a Super Bowl caliber quarterback there. Yeah, the Steelers probably and might end up making the playoffs due to the strength of schedule that they have you know, left on the year. But will they really make some noise in the playoffs? No. And then you're kind of back at square one, you know, where you're picking at 20. You know, if the team gets bounced in the first round of the playoffs, Matt Canada's probably getting fired anyways. And your quarterback has lost probably what little confidence he has in himself completely. And drafting so late doesn't really put you in prime position to get a quarterback that you might feel comfortable in handing over the keys year one. Or you can fire the offensive coordinator now, maybe perhaps boost up the confidence in your quarterback, boost up the confidence in your team, and they play better. They play to their potential because there, there are plays to be made. It just seemed like the team was just kind of half doing it, you know, this past weekend. And maybe perhaps a new offensive coordinator is going to give them the spark to do it. Now, all the pressure is going to fall on Kenny Pickett. Everybody's going to be looking at him. There's no more scapegoat. They're like, all right, the offensive coordinator couldn't call plays, couldn't couldn't call, you know, imaginative uh, route trees and the timingness of the play calls. It was all predictable, all predictable. Well, we have a new play caller and a new coordinator. Those things, as far as when they call the plays, the predict the predictability of those plays can be changed. Let's see if that happens. And if it does, Kenny Pickett should be better, right? 
And if he's not, you know that now. And then maybe perhaps in the offseason, you know, you can answer that question about, you know, do the Pittsburgh Steelers need to go somewhere else at the QB position? So I think that has a lot to do with why they ended up choosing the OC and why now, as opposed to why the bye week. Mike Tomlin was losing the players. He was losing the team. Never have I seen a Pittsburgh Steeler basically throwing a coach under the rug, even if he's right. I've never seen it before. You know, I've never seen a rookie wide receiver in his second year, you know, throw the team under the bus the way George Pickens has, you know, complete, you know, doing the AB stuff. I mean, AB did his stuff, you know, at the end of his tenure with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He may not have been all there the entire time, but Coach T was able to contain that until the later part of his years. The free me stuff that George Pickens put on Instagram is a page out of the AB playbook on how to get yourself thrown off the team. But that is happening. There's really no leadership on the team as far as players go offensively. And when you look at the head coach, and it's again, it kind of circles back to the head coach and you see all this immaturity and you wonder why is this team so mature? You know, Mike, Mike Tomlin is their coach. He's supposed to be this great coaching guru that's supposed to, you know, grasp this team and face them in the right direction. It's like in that movie, Remember the Titans, where he said attitude is a reflection of leadership. When you have Mike Tomlin constantly blaming the defense for the reason why this team has been unsuccessful, are you really surprised when the offense starts blaming the coaches or other persons for their miscommunication, their misassignments, misblocks, or their or the tantrums that are being allowed to occur? I mean, you have Chuksakorfor, who's, you know, an offensive tackle, what happened to him when he said something? He got benched. And George Pickens is throwing things on the sideline, acting all crazy. Deontay Johnson apparently is, you know, having to be restrained on the sideline. Nothing happens to those guys. You know, when George Pickens did his thing, he wasn't announced as a starter pregame, but he was there on play one. And he just does not assign accountability. Now, Coach T had never done that. He's never been that type of coach to do that. I mean, you can go back all the way to Ben Roethlisberger. He could have thrown an interception to the defensive lineman and A.B. running a flat behind him, and somehow it'd be A.B.'s fault. Big Ben will go up there and say that. Coach T wouldn't denounce it. Everything that Ben did was perfect. Ben did no wrong under Coach Tomlin. I understand why. When Coach Tomlin arrived with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Big Ben was already on the team. He was already a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. So you give him the respect, and and you don't want to upset him and all that other stuff. I get it. I get it. But why give that same privilege to a rookie quarterback like Kenny Pickett? What has he shown or done in the NFL that frees him from blame. I guess him saying that he needs to do more is his way of saying something. I don't know. I didn't think it was enough. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be breaking down the upcoming matchup uh, between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hey, you made it back to the other side. Welcome back to Still Current Network. I'm your host, Daniel. And the rest of the show, we're going to be talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals, the matchup that's coming up this week. And it's an important one. Well, let's first start off talking about the state of the Steelers. The Steelers are six and four right now. And 
man, how much can happen within a week, right? Or a little over a week. Going into last Thursday's game or Thursday night's game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens, you know, there was a chance and a hope that if the Cincinnati Bengals somehow upset the Baltimore Ravens this week, you know, Baltimore's traveling to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers who have had an up and down season. Maybe perhaps if the Chargers take care of business, the Steelers going up against a backup quarterback after playing another backup quarterback, which everything was set up for this, could possibly be playing for number one seed in the AFC North. But the Cincinnati Bengals fall to the Ravens. The Steelers fall to a backup quarterback in Cleveland. And now the loser of this game is in last place in the AFC North. Just a lot can change over the span of eight days, which is why this game is so important for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They need to win this game, you know. Going falling to the Cincinnati Bengals will put them, you know, two losses in the division, another loss in the conference. You know, when it comes to tiebreakers and things like that, it's not going to work in the favor of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, if they go ahead and beat the Cincinnati Bengals, that's all but putting the nail in the coffin for them. They would have lost another divisional game and and be very far behind. So the Steelers need to do that. It is very important that they win this game. As I said earlier, the Ravens will be traveling to Los Angeles on Sunday night to take on the Chargers. That should be a good game. I hope Justin Herbert can come through. And, you know, like I said, I know they have an up and down season. Hopefully, you know, in prime time, that'll be more of an up than a down. And the Browns will travel to Denver, who has of recently been, you know, turning it on a little bit. You know, they've been coming around. So we'll see what happens. I think that the Browns are probably going to end up taking that game as well, which is another reason why the Pittsburgh Steelers need to win, because if the rest of the AFC North wins, you know, the Steelers, needs, the Steelers are going to need to keep up. And keep in pace. And given the strength of schedule left for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, if they if they do what they're supposed to do, they're going to find themselves in the playoffs. And hopefully, you know, if they can make some sort of like push like they did last season where they got where they got better down the stretch, then it could lead for a pretty good opportunity because the rest of the NFL, you know, really isn't playing well at this time. Any given Sunday, you know, anything can come forward and, and stuff can happen. But I do think that the Steelers, you know, have a defense that can make stuff happen. And maybe now in offense, they have a rejuvenated conf confidence now that Matt Canada is gone and maybe can just be that mediocre t offense that I think can do something because of how good this defense can be when healthy. Now, the Steelers recently acquired Blake Martinez and Miles Jack. I don't know if any of those guys are going to actually see the field this week, but you know those guys are older inside linebackers but have a history of being good inside linebackers in the league. You know, Maybe perhaps given the fact that it's now a uh, shortened season for them. You know, seven games left in the regular season. You know, if the Pittsburgh Steelers make the playoffs, hopefully they will. You know, possibility of an 11-week season, you know, if they go the distance. That's not too bad for, you know, some older inside linebackers who have some skill and, and are coming in fresh. The biggest issue is going to be the communication aspect of it and getting them up to speed on the defense. Fortunately for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Miles Jack, he's a guy that was here last year. So he's familiar with the team, familiar with the players, and familiar with the playbook. So I, I think he's probably a guy, if any of those two, uh, see the field this weekend, he, he's probably won because, you know, this was a huge loss for the Pittsburgh Steelers when it came to losing their two inside linebackers. And while we're talking about the loss of players due to injury, the injury report comes in with Mika Fitzpatrick probably not going to be playing this week. At the time of this recording, the Wednesday and Thursday uh, injury report are the only two that are out. And Mika Fitzpatrick did not participate again for his, with his hamstring. And given the fact that the Steelers are going to be playing another backup quarterback, I think that there's a good chance that the Steelers are going to go ahead and stick when Trenton Thompson another week as one of the safeties in the back. You know, I, I think he did too bad last week. I think that if he ends up making that interception, you know, that hits him in the hands, if it wasn't for that, you know, sun setting right into his eyes, you know, he, he's probably catching that and going the distance on that you know that's a pick six and what what a way to start off his you know debut there as a Pittsburgh Steelers 
with a with a pick six. Millie, it didn't happen, but you know, I thought he played all right. You know, he's a physical guy. He's he's not afraid to get in there and hit somebody. It's kind of what the Pittsburgh Steelers need right now. You know, all the safeties that they have at this point available and healthy. You know, Keanu Neal went to the injury reserve. He was probably the one that you would look at as a guy that was the physical, you know, thumper when it came to the strong safeties. Now you have Trenton Thompson. I think he's a guy that can get there, get into the box and, and make a tackle if need be. Yeah, other notable injuries for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nick Herbig is still dealing with his hamstring. He was limited. James Pierre with a shoulder limited. Marta- Montrevious Adams, he has that ankle injury that he hasn't also come back yet from. He's been limited. Cam Hayward was limited. It says resting, not injury, but uh, it also has a growing listed as next to it. So it's not that he's hurt or re-aggravated anything. It's more about him being older and uh, needing a rest day. But George Pickens, you know, found his way on the injury report first on Wednesday. He didn't participate because of the shin. He did come in on Thursday. He was limited. We'll see how he does on Friday. I know Friday is pretty much like what a walkthrough or something like that. So if that ends up being the case. I think it's a good chance that he's going to play if he ends up being limited on a walkthrough. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be a game time decision for him. But, you know, the Cleveland Browns enter that game with a laundry list of injuries as well. Obviously, the first one and the big one, Joe Burrow being out. Incoming in, Jake Browning, a guy that hasn't played uh, really. You know, I think this is going to be his first start of his NFL career. And kind of like I said last week when it came to uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, the thing that concerns me is when there's little tape on a quarterback. Not so much that there's a rookie quarterback or a first time quarterback in the league. Like, for instance, when the Steelers went up against C.J. Stroud earlier this year, you know, there was limited film or tape of him in the NFL. And I think that, you know, the Steelers struggle with that. Now, if they were to play C.J. Stroud today with all the tape and film that's out there, I can almost guarantee you a much, much better performance by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Last week uh, with DTR, the Pittsburgh Steelers struggled defensively in the first half with him and at the end of the game. A lot of that probably is because they don't have tape on him. I guarantee you if the Pittsburgh Steelers see the Cleveland Browns again this year and DTR stays the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, the Steelers are probably going to play him even better than they did this past Sunday. Now, there was a quarterback, Finley, I think, a couple of years back, similar situation, hadn't played much, was Joe Burrow's backup, came in, beat the Steelers, ran all over him, the whole nine yards. The Steelers can't let that happen. They need to contain this guy. They need to get after him. They need to confuse him, which might limit a guy like Rush. A lot of noise was made about Rush not playing this past week after having 30 snaps, this, that, and a third. The reason behind that was because the Steelers were going to try to do some more exotic stuff, some more zone type of things, in attempt to confuse the rookie quarterback to get him to make a mistake, put the ball in the air, and have it go the opposite direction. Well, they're playing another rookie quarterback. Do they stick with the same game plan? You know, to a certain extent, it kind of worked. The Cleveland Browns were held to 13 points for the entire game. That should have been a win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the question is, do they do the same thing? You know, try to throw out all this magical stuff at at the opposition and maybe play just a little bit of man. If they go man on man, then I, I do anticipate seeing somebody like Rush. Given his speed and the intangibles that he contains, I think he could be a very good cornerback. You can be the most athletic person in the world and, and just, you know, things may not just come to you. And that could be a reason why he's on his third NFL team on his rookie season. But from what I saw from him so far, I, I thought he played well. I thought he played well. And the Steelers are playing the Cincinnati Bengals. And even though they don't have Joe Burrow there, they still got Jamar Chase. I don't know if Higgins is going to play. He's still not participating due to a hamstring. So there's a good chance that he's not going to play. But if he does end up playing, if he's a uh, game time decision, then you you got some speed out there and you're going to want to have some speed over the top at the end of it too, to make sure that, you know, you're not getting beat over the top because outside of Rush and maybe even Minka, who's not on the field right now, there's not very much speed in the secondary. You have a lot of four, five, four, six guys as cornerbacks, and that could, you know, potentially 
create a potential problem for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's just to start the long list of injuries. You have Cam Taylor Britt with a quad. He didn't participate either. The linebacker, Akeem Davis Gaither, he has a knee as well. He was, he's was he been limited, so he might play. Sam Hubbard, he's been limited with an ankle. Uh, B.J. Hill's been limited with an ankle. So they have some injuries there that the Pittsburgh Steelers can exploit. We'll see if they can put it together. So let's talk about what we can expect and what we shouldn't expect when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially when it comes offensively with the new offensive coordinator. One thing I'm hoping that we should expect for is that the Pittsburgh Steelers are now going to run the hot hand. And right now that hot hand is Jalen Warren over Notch. Now, it's kind of weird that Nosh put, you know, that little bit of pressure on that last straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, when it came to the firing of Matt Canada. That could possibly lead to him getting less carries or time on the field. But at the end of the day, I think Jalen Warren is, is just a better back. He needs to be out there. And I'm hoping with this offensive coordinator change, they don't they don't run away from the hot hand. I hope they don't, you know, be cute and try to throw the ball over and over again or go away from what's working. You know, that was one of the things that kind of confused me when it came to Matt Canada was the fact that, you know, the Steelers were running the ball great. You know, Jalen Warren was was doing some special stuff out there. And last drive, he's and he's not a part of the offense there when he was the offense. It was just super frustrating for me. Uh, that part, I, I don't understand. And I don't know if that's a Matt Canada thing where, you know, if he's calling a certain play, you know, on that play, uh, the personnel is Najee Harris. And so, yeah, in those situations, you need to call plays where the personnel is Jalen Warren. And if, you know, that is a Coach Canada thing, then, yeah, he, he definitely needed to go. And if we do see some more Jalen Warren, I expect that we're going to see an improved green game. Reason being is when I watched the game back, the Steelers did a lot of screens uh, against the Cleveland Browns, and only really two of them worked for some positive yards or didn't get called back for a penalty. The rest of them were just was just incomplete or lost for yards, things like that. And the two that worked that got positive yards, one was a bigger play, went to Jalen Warren. The other one got positive yards at the end of the game towards the end of the game that kind of put the Pittsburgh Steelers in, maybe in field goal range-ish. You know, at the end of the game, it would have been like a 61-60 yard attempt, but I think Boss could have done it. When it came to the screens, Jalen Warren was just faster to his position, faster to turn around. He was more reliable with the ball in his hand. Once he caught the ball, he was also, you know, able to spin out and see what was going on in front of him, you know, work the field to get blockers in front of him. You know, those things weren't happening with Naj. You know, by the time Naj would turn around, the quarterback was getting hit. So the quarterback was throwing it before Naj would turn around and throw it into the dirt most of the time. And it's just the speed thing because the same plays are ran with Jalen Warren and he's able to turn around in time, on time, and prepared for the pe- for the pass. So I, I would expect that to probably be a big major part or component of the offense just to kind of get Kim Pickett in rhythm as well. You know, those little completions like that will build a little bit of confidence in him. But what shouldn't we expect? What not to expect? You know, I know there's a lot of big expectations of this offense now that Matt Canada has gone, and I don't think that's going to be the case. You know, I don't I don't think that the handcuffs are coming off of Kenny, so to speak. I'm not expecting this offensive, you know, juggernaut or passing game that's all of a sudden going to come out of nowhere. In my opinion, I don't think that's going to happen. There's a lot of issues when it comes to uh, Kenny Pickett, when it comes to his confidence in the throwing game. And I think it'd probably be best suited if he, you know, started working on getting on a rhythm, getting getting going. You know, maybe perhaps we see some more tight end directed plays or where that is the intended uh, place for the ball to go. Maybe we'll see a little bit more over the middle emphasis, but I'm not expecting Kenny Pickett to go out there and throw for 30 times, 35 times, you know, make and get over like 250 yards, throw three touchdowns, things like that. I I don't think that's, that's realistic to expect. Not to mention the forecast for Cincinnati on Sunday is is not favorable for Kenny Pickett. It's going to be like in the forties and it's going to be raining. You know, Kenny Pickett with his two gloves. I question that move in the rain, you know, and 
so far in the NFL where it's been raining, Kenny Pickett's not had the best of games. So I think this this is going to be a game that you can want to rely on on your running backs because when the ball is wet and Kenny Pickett's been throwing the ball in rain situations, one thing that I do notice is that the ball will float. And that's probably why the Steelers avoid the middle of the field, to be honest with you. When Kenny tries to drive the ball, it sometimes goes a little high. And if it goes a little high over the middle of the field, uh, then it's, there's a good chance that somebody could be back there and intercept the ball. If the ball goes high on the sideline, well, nobody's going to intercept it behind them. It's a less dangerous throw. And that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers were doing. And that's maybe what they're doing with Kenny Pickett for a multitude of reasons. I mean, you know, the only game that he's had where I thought that he played well or threw the ball over the middle well was against the Vegas Raiders. You know, that long play to Calvin Austin has been tried, I want to say like three or four times since then with no success. I think there's been one interception, if not two, when he's tried to do it again. And every time that he's tried it since, it's been underthrown. So then the question becomes, which one is the real Kenny? The Three or four underthrows are the one accurate throw over the middle deep down the field. Well, that's a big question, right? But the keys to victory for this game is Jalen Warren's going to have to get 20 touches. If, if Jalen Warren got 20 touches or even 20 rushing attempts, I don't see how the Steelers lose this game. We're going to have to limit Kenny to 25 or less attempts, especially because it's, it's expected to be raining and, and Kenny really hasn't done well in the rain. And so are going to have to win that turnover battle if they're going to want to win this game. I know they're going up against a rookie quarterback. You know, it's not really the defense that I'm concerned about. It's the offense that I'm concerned about. But when it does come to the defense, the Steelers are going to have to stop Joe Mixon and force the Cincinnati Bengals to make Jake Browning beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's get some turnovers. It's going to be raining. It's going to be slick. You know, the main point of emphasis is going to be Joe Mixon in this game. And I think the Steelers have the right inside linebacker for this game, which is why, you know, when I mentioned Blake Martinez and I mentioned Miles Jack earlier, you know, they came in at the right time because this game is probably not a game that they're going to utilize them as much as you would think, because I think that the game plan for the Cincinnati Bengals right now with their quarterback situation is probably going to be run the ball. And Elandon Robertson is the inside linebacker that you want on the field when you're expecting a run heavy offense. Now, if Joe Burrow was in this game, I think you would probably expect to see a lot less of Elandon Roberts. But I do think that because he's out, we're going to probably see more of him, which kind of lowers the pressure a little bit on having to put out there a, a Blake Martinez who hasn't played in a while or a Miles Jack who also hasn't played in a while. Let them get caught up to speed, so to speak. But I think this is going to be a close game. I think this is going to be another another game down to the wire, another game where we see if the Pittsburgh Steelers can edge out another victory. So my prediction on this game, you know, I'm not too confident in the Steeler offense right now. And they haven't done anything to show confidence. I know that, you know, everybody's excited about the new opportunity at the offensive coordinator position and what that could bring. But when you watch the tape, I see a lot of execution issues. I don't know, maybe just having a new coordinator uh, gets them excited. And, and there's more attention to the finer details of the play and performance, which will result in a better outcome. But if not, I, I, I think we're going to see a lot of the same stuff. And with that being said, given the short week, the distraction you know, for the offense, the weather, I'm actually going to say that the Bengals are going to win this game 16 to 13. And it's going to draw more questions than answers for the Pittsburgh Steelers fans and fan base and everybody. I hope it don't happen. I hope the Pittsburgh Steelers can turn it around and win this game. I hope that the Steelers can can do something because if not, they're at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the AFC Northern in fourth place and in embarrassing fashion as well. But that's my prediction. I hope everybody had a safe and happy Thanksgiving. And like I said, maybe this new offensive coordinator will just bring out a lot better energy for this team and it might result in a better performance on the field. That's all we can do at this point, right? Just root for our team and hope for the best. It's going to come down to the wire, not just in this game, but probably for the rest of the season as far as if the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to make the playoffs or not. Baltimore Ravens have a pretty difficult schedule going uh, the rest of the way. The Cleveland Browns don't, and neither do the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's going to be a run to the end regardless for who wears that crown 
as the AFC North champion a little bit later this year. If you haven't done so, go check out the other audio-only podcasts on our great platform. You have Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman, Bad Language with Brian Anthony Davis, and That Geek with Dave Schofield. Much, much more. Don't forget also Monday after the game, your day after show, The Hangover with myself and Shannon White. Mondays, 5 p.m. Eastern, live on YouTube. Be sent out on the audio side only a little bit later. With that being said, Let's go Steelers. Let's let's get back on the winning side of things and let's go kick some Cincinnati tail. I'll be back on Monday. Peace.